Meow, I'm Kat, and you're in for a treat. Straight out of the oven, it's Cinema Buns, with another hot, fresh take on film. Let's dig in. Hey guys, this is a spoiler-free episode. Vidya and I are discussing our relationship with the movie theater, but we are not discussing specific movies in detail, so enjoy spoiler-free. Okay, quickly before we begin, I want to give an update on last week's video about autism on screen. I watched two YouTube videos this week by autistic creators on YouTube, and I wish I'd watched them before I made that video. They're both really great, so I'm going to link both of them in the description. The first one is by Dan, who runs the Aspie World, and I did actually link him in the last video, and I mentioned his channel, but I hadn't watched this video, which was his review of Love on the Spectrum. I want to recommend that video. I think he has a really interesting perspective on it. He highly praises the show. He goes on a lot about how much he likes the contestants. He likes the way the show is done. He speaks very highly of it, and he does a recap after Where Are They Now in a separate video, which you can also watch that one. And I'm going to go back and watch some more of his videos, like his review of Atypical and that sort of stuff. But I really liked what he said. I thought it was helpful and a nice perspective, and I think you should go listen to him as someone who is actually neurodivergent as opposed to myself, neurotypical, which brings me to my next video, which is by, her name is Princess Aspian, or that's the name of the channel. Her name's Chloe. She's autistic, and she talks about um, what I wanted to mention, which was identity first versus person first. At the timestamp 605 in her video reviewing Love on the Spectrum, she talks about how she wishes people would just say she's autistic and not she is a person with autism because she says that that's how you talk about someone with cancer which is a disease which can be cured and she says that she worries that when people are so person first language it sounds like oh chloe has autism which she's like i don't have autism i am autistic and so that's her personal take on identity first versus person first language which is something i kind of talked about that jessica kelgren fozard agreed with as a disabled person who's not autistic Jessica also agreed that she prefers identity first language, which is Jessica is disabled as opposed to Jessica is a person who is disabled. And uh, Chloe gave a great example, which was um, you just say, I'm gay. You don't go, I have gayness. And so she said that it sounds more like it's a disease or it's something you have if you try to be so person first. So I thought that was an important note. And I know I switched back and forth, I think between the two identity first and person first i try to mirror whatever it is that the person uses so again if the people on the show call themselves autistic or disabled i try to use that language but i'm sure i slipped up and i wasn't sure which language to use at times so i wanted to make that note and say that that's something i learned this week the other thing that chloe's video is quite long it's about 20 minutes but it's really worthwhile and um, she reviews the entire first episode i will say it frustrates me that she didn't watch the whole show and then give a review because there's only five episodes. And I think if you're watching it in real time reacting, you don't really have time to like fully form an opinion of the show. However, it was helpful to hear her opinion as she went along and reacted to certain things. She gave a much more negative review than Dan from the Aspie World had. And she pointed out some actually great criticisms of the show, which I wanted to note. She said that 
the editing was very like other like as if you were watching like a nature documentary or a show about like kindergartners like she pointed out that when the narrator talks about autism statistics which is great she liked that they mentioned that but they use this voice where it's as if they're talking about like again a nature documentary when they're like these people deal with this and so she gave some good um nuanced criticisms of the show i agreed with something i wasn't sure how to articulate it and she articulated it very well which was i really disliked when they introduced each new participant who was going to go on a date with the main participants and they would say so and so likes blank and blank they dislike blank and blank and the things were always very like they like dogs they dislike thunderstorms like it was very childish strange likes and dislikes like I don't like people spitting on the ground but I'm sure most people don't like that so I wouldn't be like that's my dislike I don't know like I I would be like I don't like um, doing these activities, you know, um, if I'm trying to describe who I am as a person saying, I don't like people spitting on the ground is not very helpful. And she also, Chloe pointed out that those dislikes were not like quirky things about them. They were sensory overload situations. Like it was, they don't like the feeling of sandals or they don't like, again, thunderstorms or noisy rooms and it's like yeah they don't like it because it physically hurts them like those are their sensory triggers not just quirky likes and dislikes they have and also they wouldn't do that like on the bachelor (laughs) i mean kind of but they wouldn't be like oh betty really hates crinkly leaves like that that kind of makes them seem like a toddler so i agreed that i thought that was quite juvenile and a strange way to introduce them but as Chloe in from Princess Aspian pointed out, um, this shows a good blueprint for what can come. And she thought at the end, the show was quite good. She liked it. She gave a positive review, but she did say those were some critiques, which I thought were totally fair. I also really enjoyed the video that she made and I want to watch more of her channel. She's like very high energy like me. She talks a lot like me and she had this really awesome flower crown. And I was like, I feel like we're very similar. I liked a lot of her personality. And she also said stuff like come through and a lot of like drag queen language that I use. And so I was just like yeah we're soul sisters so i enjoyed a lot of her video and i think i would enjoy more of her content so i subscribe to both of them the aspie world and princess aspian both of them will be in the description if you're interested in checking that out chloe did also point out how like it's a show created by neurotypical people for neurotypical people and she kind of talks about like the nuances of that and what exactly she means by that a lot of times she talked about how she disliked the way that the filmmakers were talking about the participants um like even like when they were in the room sometimes the relationship coach and the parents would be talking about the 25 year old man while he was standing there so chloe has some good points with that but she did really like all the participants and throughout the episode she kept being like oh that's really sweet or i really like that and she really seemed to praise what she saw on screen from the participants so i think she thought the representation of that was really good and the other thing i wanted to point out was something that i thought a lot about including in the first episode and i didn't and that was um 
sort of not my dislike of Michael, but some problems I have with him. And I guess I was really hesitant as a neurotypical person that I don't want to be like critical of any of the participants. But I read some really interesting comments on these videos I've been watching where people will comment and say, hi, I'm autistic. And I really disliked a lot of what Michael said. And I think he's really bad representation, which again, take all this with a grain of salt. I don't know Michael. I'm sure he's a lovely person, but some of what he said, which I pointed out last time, which was kind of like patriarchal and possessive, he's probably just heard it, particularly from his dad, who was kind of echoing a lot of the same comments. But um, a lot of people in the comments were like, I don't feel this way, and I'm worried that people are going to think all autistic people feel this way. And that is like when he said, you know, my wife will be my greatest treasure, or this and that. Like, treasure is nice that you'll treasure her, but she's not necessarily your treasure. Like there's just some interesting ways that he, that's not even a great example, but there's some interesting ways that Michael phrased what he thinks of his future wife. Particularly there was one point where he said that he really looks forward to having a girlfriend because then there was no more of that hands to yourself crap, which like that scares me a little bit because even when you have a wife, you still need to keep your hands to yourself unless the person wants that like you can't just be all over them all the time so you know that's like something that there were certain things Michael said that made me really uncomfortable as far as that possessive way of thinking about relationships and also he was quite um, heteronormative with his roles of men and women and that he was going to be the provider and she would stay home and this and that and so he kind of viewed her as like a Disney princess like it was very a doll's house that he was going to keep her so that was some stuff that I noticed but again you know I, I just don't want to be critical of this person and I just really enjoyed the show but it's interesting to me how much praise Michael is getting as like the standout star when I really loved the participant Chloe. I also loved Andrew and um, Kelvin was really interesting to me. So yeah, just wanted to mention that he was not my favorite of all the characters that we saw. That being said, enjoyed the show. Okay, moving on. Let's dig into the bun, hun. Hey bunnies! Okay, so for today's episode, I am joined by my good friend Vidya in Colorado. Hey girl! Hey! Hey, welcome to Cinema Buns for the first time. You were on my last podcast, Podcat, but this is your first time on this iteration of podcast. (laughs) I think you're well suited to it as it is a podcast about film and I know how much you love film. Um, Quickly before we jump in, I was going to let all the listeners know for the entire month of September, we are doing podcasts about posters, movie posters. So each week we'll have a different theme and a different guest on talking about specific good, bad, everything with posters. So get excited for those. But today, Vidya and I are going to have our little ode to the movie theater. Um, Vidya, thoughts on movie theaters? Um, I love them. They usually my second home before corona hit of course um i spent every weekend at the movie theater i personally it's my favorite consumption of media and i don't know i just love it there it's it feels like home did you ever keep track of like how many movies you used to see in a year oh boy uh i have i used to keep all of my ticket stubs before you know moving to electronic tickets but i see a lot it's 
essentially a, a safe bet would be four times a month, especially in like towards Oscar season. That increases by like threefold. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't know anyone who sees as many movies as you. I think the average American sees like four films a year in theater or something. You know, like they go at Christmas and Thanksgiving and maybe in the summer. But yeah. I'm always shocked by how low the number is. I would go, I don't know, maybe I was seeing 20 films a year or something. Like, especially during college when I was really busy. But, okay, but the year I had movie pass, I don't know, maybe that was 2018. I think I saw, like, 98 films in theater. Like, oh, I could wow. not believe how many movies I saw in the theater that year. I kept track and wrote everything down. Do you know, do you remember what the last movie you saw was before movie theaters all closed and everything this year? Oh, yeah, I remember it was Onward. Uh, oh. That Disney Pixar movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We it's on Disney Plus now. We've been wanting to see it, but we haven't yet. Oh yeah, no. I was kind of bummed because I was like, oh man, I spent money on the movie ticket, and then it came out on the streaming service that I'm already subscribed to. Yeah. Well, but, how do you feel about seeing something at home versus? It seems like you must really like the theater experience. Does it change it for you to be around other people? being around other people per se uh, that's a different topic altogether is you know it depends on the crowd that you're with when you're watching movies that can make or break the experience but in terms of watching it at home um it's fine it's been an adjustment i much prefer theaters because you are dedicating those few hours to solely watching the movie versus like when you're watching it at home you can kind of pause it and go around into other stuff and it kind of I think interrupts the momentum that you're building while watching the movie well that's a really good point is like going undistracted to see the movie I don't think about that but yeah I guess when you're I took someone to see a movie one time and um this person pulled out their it was like someone I was considering living with or something um a potential roommate and they pulled out their phone and started like checking Facebook and I was just like nope we cannot be friends like in a movie theater I was no no I I I don't understand I I feel like there is movie theater etiquette but Maybe it's because people are not really going to the movie that they're not fully aware of it, but, like, you do not check your phone, you do not talk over the movie, like, there, there, are, there are certain rules that you follow, like, there's, there's supposed to be a certain amount of respect, I feel, between theater goers, like, we're all spending money to be here, and we want it to be a pleasant experience, and sometimes people can be a little selfish. Yeah. Well, let's come back to that. I was going to mention the last movie that I saw before the theaters all closed was actually just like you, one that is now on streaming. And that is, I saw that movie Eurovision with Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell. And actually I saw it as um, one of those, I go to those early screenings where it's like focus group feedback. And so... I gave some feedback that I don't think they probably listened to, but I was not a fan of the movie, and I was like, this is bad. Um, but I didn't pay for that one because, you know, they actually paid me. But the last movie that I paid to see was I rewatched a movie that I had seen in a focus group that I wanted to see when it came out in theaters, and that was Jojo Rabbit. Um, oh, 
That movie's so good. It was so good, and I wanted to see it again. And they actually did change like one significant scene from the time that I had seen it. They added in this scene that wasn't originally there that I thought was really good towards the end. I was like, yeah, that was a good addition. But yeah, usually if I go see an early focus group movie, I don't then pay again to see it in theater. So sometimes I'm hesitant to make comments on movies because I'm like, I don't know what the final product was. Um, But yeah, I guess that Eurovision is now free on Netflix. I don't know if that was its original intended streaming platform or if they were going to do it in theaters. But I saw it in theaters and it did not enhance my experience. But (laughs) back to the, the discussion we were having, which was the theater experience. I would say normally for me it does, yeah, it does enhance my experience or at least change it. I think specifically maybe with comedies, it's interesting to hear what people do and don't laugh at. I have like a very dry sense of sarcastic dark humor. So sometimes I'm the only one in a theater laughing. Like when we, my wife and I went to see The Lobster, I thought it was hilarious and I was laughing a lot and other people were not laughing and I was like, oh no, oh no, it's me. But other times, like when we saw Never Stop, Never Stopping, the crowd was dying. They were laughing so hard. My wife and I were like, I don't get it. I don't get it. So it is interesting to hear reactions. Yeah, it is. It's it's interesting. There is something about like the chain of theater that sometimes you choose to watch it because over here in Colorado, you know, it used to be between like the AMC's and the Century Theater. But then I discovered the Alamo Draft House. Oh, so nice. Yeah, it's so the nice. best. It's the best. And I think there's something about the fact that everyone's kind of drawn to it because they, you know, they kind of, they care about the movie experience and they'll kick you out and you can report people if they disrupt it in any way. And I think that draws like kind of like a certain crowd there and mostly, you know, people who do take their movie viewing experience seriously. And typically whenever I watch a movie with them, I tend to feel more at home and it does enhance the experience. So the Alamo is one of those places where you have, like, your own table and you can order food, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw March of the Penguins there when it came out, and that's already a movie that, like, you have to see on the big screen because penguins in giant screen, yes, please. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I remember it was, like, a special extra treat. It was, like, oh, my gosh, like, going and getting, like, food as opposed to just, you know, theater popcorn and um, snacks, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I love getting uh, the milkshakes from Alamo Draft House. Oh, yes. are pretty good. They have a chocolate chip cookie shake, which is literally a milkshake with blended chocolate chip cookies in it. Mm. It is pretty darn good. Do you have a favorite theater snack at, it, like, a normal theater? Are you a popcorn girl or a candy girl? Um, <laughs> my favorite thing to do is put chocolate-covered raisins in popcorn and oh. mix them up. Yes, um, Trader Joe's has these like uh, candied nuts, candy pecans they're selling right now, and I was like, we should warm these and then add them into popcorn and have like a, mm-hmm. maybe put some M and M's in there and kind of like make our own movie snack mix at home. Yeah, so sweet and salty is usually the way to go. I mean, in my humble opinion. <laughs> You know, I can't really do movie theater popcorn. I always end up taking a few bites, but it really chaps my lips too much. 
So mm-hmm. I'm always for the sweets. I think Milk Duds may be my favorite. My mom likes Junior Mints, and my sister likes Twizzlers. Twizzlers. Mm-hmm. Usually if I go straight candy, it's like those mini Twix bites mm. or Snickers bites that I get. Um, but if I'm one sweet and salty, then it's usually the chocolate-covered raisins and popcorn. I really liked as a kid, there were like those frozen ice cream bites where they're like covered mm-hmm. in chocolate. But they don't give you a ton. Um, but that was like a special treat. And then when I was paying for my own movies as an adult, I was like, whoa, that's way too expensive. No. <laughs> Never. Right. And uh, you are a fan of the double feature where mm-hmm. you see more than one film a day. Do you have a record for the number of films you've seen in a day? more than two unfortunately really i've gone to three in a day and i think that's the most i could manage oh nice i wish i could do that uh kind of it it depends usually like if my mom follows me she's pretty much two and max (laughs) if i'm left to my own devices i would spend more time watching all the movies but I know, it kind of depends, too, on, like, the release date of things. I, hmm, I'm trying to think if I have ever watched, like, I've watched, like, three movies over a weekend or four movies over a weekend, but it's typically, like, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Or... Have you ever paid to see a movie in theater and then enjoyed it so much you went again very quickly within the week and paid again to see it? I, it was actually X-Men First Class, but that was when I was in Malaysia. I, I saw it three times wow it, i mean i also had a big crush on james mcavoy then and like <laughs> any chance to see him i took yeah when titanic came out i know a lot of people were leo fans and saw it several times in theaters because it stayed in theaters mm-hmm. like all summer yeah so i don't think that's like as prevalent nowadays as it was before where like you know kind of like the movie star attracts the crowd mm-hmm Kind of now it's almost like yeah, there's a brand to it. Like Disney yeah. movies attract crowds. Or the Marvel movies, well, Disney owns Marvel because they own everything now. You know, like usually now it's kind of like a brand name. Even more so now I'd say that directors do attract certain crowds. Like Christopher Nolan now has the movie out and people are willing to risk getting corona to watch Tenet in theaters. Yeah, I think you're right about the franchise. That really pulls people in. Even if it's something like there's going to be that new Batman with Robert Pattinson, and once the trailer was out, people were so excited. But it does seem like you have to already know the... Like, reboots have been a big thing in the last few years with, like, a new Ghostbusters, a new, um, you know, this and that, like those reboots. But, yeah, I mean, the director, like... I know Spielberg, I know Kubrick, like, those directors usually brought in crowds but yeah i'd be interested to see why people now go to the theater if it's because it's a director they know or a star they know or a franchise they know Mm -hmm. i get really i love movie trailers i'll do a whole other podcast about trailers but the trailer (laughs) can really draw me in if it looks like there's going to be a good plot i can be (laughs) called to see a movie even if i don't know much about anyone who's in it or who made it if the trailer intrigues me yeah I, and that's also like something about the movie going experience some people are there for the previews and some people come in like as they're rolling 
Oh, I paid money. I'm going to see the previews. I love the trailers. I get really sad if I miss the trailers. Same. I love watching trailers. Yeah. But, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Trailers are also a great way to kind of, just, you know, to gauge if you will enjoy the movie or not. Do you ever play the trailer game where before the movie you pick, like, a number one through five and everyone picks a number and then if you picked two then the second trailer that plays is supposed to be like the story of your life oh, i have not done it but most most of the time whenever i watch movies i'm mainly on my own it, it, it is one of those like okay to be fair i watch movies mainly to decompress to relax after like a, you know a strenuous work week or you know back in college whenever we had assignments due and stuff i would always get my homework done by Friday so that I can enjoy the weekend watching movies. And, I don't know, like, I just like, uh, it, it was just nice to kind of sit on my own instead of, whenever I bring someone with me, there's always the added factor of they might want to talk during your movie. They might want to, you know, like, pick some of my snacks without me offering it to them. <laughs> I sound like Joey. I was going to say, very Joey. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, so it was always kind of this weird, like, eh, I'd rather just go on my own because I get to control my own experience going. Yeah, I definitely, I wouldn't want, like, a first date to a movie theater, like, Mm -hmm. because I I think, and maybe a first date would be okay if you, like, went out afterwards and talked about the movie. I think I'd enjoy that. But. The idea of, like, when you've been dating someone for, I don't know, I was going to say a few months, and you're like, should we hold hands? And then I was like, how old am I? Um, But, like, when you're in high school, and you're like, you go with your crush, and you're like, oh, like, the whole time I'm distracted with, like, are they going to hold my hand? And I don't like to be distracted. But I do like, after the movie, to be able to talk about the movie, which is, like, why I made this podcast. But I, I get frustrated if I'm the only one who's seen it, and I don't have anyone to talk to about it. But, yeah, I think... I'd be okay seeing the movie by myself and then talking to someone else who also saw it. Yeah. I, oh God, I hate uh, movies as dates. The only person who I'm comfortable doing that with is my, is my boyfriend, Preston. And that's because he kind of off the bat, I warned him what my movie habits are like. And he said, no worries. I'll just do whatever you do. And here we are today. (laughs) I was thinking about the have I gone to to re-see a movie in theaters and I I remember when Watchmen came out I saw it either two or three times that same weekend and it's like a three-hour movie I think I saw it Friday night and then maybe Saturday and Sunday because I was like so just like odd I had to watch it like several times but normally I don't oh you know what else I re-watched um when I had movie pass I would see anything like the worst movies i didn't care i was like it's free with movie pass i would watch every movie that was out but yeah i remember when we saw ready player one and i was like oh i need to go rewatch that and i need to like see it in a... Find all the Easter eggs. yeah because it was like very in-depth you needed to like watch for details again but I also wanted to watch it like as an IMAX experience or something which I usually don't need like the 3D or anything like that just the regular movie is fine but it was such a like experience of like being in the movie because it's virtual reality-esque and so I was like I don't think I'll ever be able to experience this again the same way if I just watch it at home versus like in the theater was really cool oh actually 
to answer your question, I do know a movie that I've seen more than X-Men First Class in theaters. Yeah. And I think you you know it well, too, about time. Ugh. That movie, like, <laughs> is... It wrecks me in the best way. It's just so stunningly oh, beautiful. It's so, so good. Like, the first time I watched it, I ended up, like, happy crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I went again on my own. And then when my mom came over uh, to visit, I took her to the movie. And then I went again on my own later. Like, it's yeah. so good. Just and I wasn't sound- making that much money, and I felt like... I was like, oh man, I'll fund it a little bit. I'll go watch it again. <laughs> they have you they have you listed as like a producer on it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> fund it so much. Yeah, that movie I mean the soundtrack alone is worth just like listening to again and again. Oh yeah. Do you remember the first movie you ever saw in theaters? Hmm. Hmm. I remember watching I don't know if it was the first movie that I saw. I'm pretty sure there was one. But the one that I remember is 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close. Oh, really? Yes, Cruella. Oh, I remember that movie because of the amazing costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and no, I remember going with my uh, grandfather to watch that movie. But I'm pretty sure I've watched like a ton of Disney movies before that. Yeah, the story of the first time I ever saw a movie was my mom took me to see Aladdin, and that came out in 92, and I was born in 91. And before the genie appeared, apparently I was like, genie! And my mom was like, what? How does she know? And then she found out later my dad had already taken me, something like that. And so she was like, oh, I thought she was like, how does she know? Um, But I don't remember, I mean, I was a little over a year, so I certainly don't remember that, but... I do remember being in the theater seeing a Vita, which came out in 96. So I guess I was like five years old. (laughs) But my mom knew that I loved like musicals and that ended up being like one of the only, that's like one of the only five movies I think I've ever like cried in. And I was five years old. So I was like, (laughs) like just devastated. And everyone was like, why would you bring a five-year-old to this? My mom was like, she likes musicals. Um, but I do remember, like, how impactful that was, seeing that movie. I won't give anything away, but there's, like, certain scenes that I, like, still remember. Well, I'm glad my mom took me. I enjoyed it, but I just remember, like, having a lot of feels. Yeah, this is the one with Madonna, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember. Antonio Banderas is in it, too. Yeah. Have you ever walked out of a movie? I have not. Um, I have been... In a movie where people kept walking out of it, um, <laughs> Mother with Jennifer Lawrence, the Darren Aronofsky movie. Did people walk out because oh. it was bad or because oh, it was yeah. scary? Oh yeah, people started walking out of that movie. You do, could, do you not do spoilers? No, I've not seen it. But say you could just say if it was like bad or if it was scary. But. There's a scene that was just kind of Darren Aronofsky was trying to make you feel super uncomfortable, mm. but it was just taking it tad bit too far and, and at least in my theater everyone was super uncomfortable when that scene happened and then, then mm. people started walking out did you see the other Boleyn girl mm-hmm. I've seen that it's not a yeah, great movie there's like an incest scene between brother and sister that mm-hmm. was so wildly uncomfortable I remember people walking out during that yeah. I've never uh-huh. walked out. I know my mom and sister walked out the 2008 movie Rachel Getting Married with Anne Hathaway. Um, uh-huh. It wasn't a great movie, but it also made them very motion sick. It was like filmed like a home video, and so they both got very ill and had to leave. 
Um, and I was yeah. like, well, I'm, I've come this far, so I finished it. Yeah, there was one movie that I thought about walking out of, and it's called The Spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of made like a Zack Snyder-ish movie, and kind of in the vein of like Sin City and their aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But it was so bad. Like the guy from Suits is, um, was in it, and Sam Jackson was in it as well. And there's like a scene where they melt a cat, and I, <gasps> like, I was just like, no, I'm yeah. so not on board with this. If something happens to an animal in a movie, like the the first Hulk movie with Eric Bana, my mom will like turn it off and we'll just like stop watching. If we're watching something at home, yeah, for sure. My yeah. mom's like, this is done. Yeah, no, it frequently checked us the dog dot mm-hmm. com um, just to make sure that you know there aren't any animal deaths because it can kind of ruin it for me. Yeah. Even though the movie is like amazing, awesome, wonderful, like points are immediately deducted the moment there's an unnecessary death. Say, why did you do that? Like, why? Was that necessary? Was that like we weren't going to hate the villain anyway? Why'd you have to make him kill an animal? Wait, like, it, there, it's called why? It's called did the dog die dot com. Does the dog die dot com? And it literally <laughs> tells you if there's animal abuse. Mm-hmm. They tell you about, they usually tell you their abuse. There's like, does the dog die? Does the horse die? Does the cat die? Uh, does an animal die? Is there like eye mutilation? Is there drug mm. use? Is there like, the, the whole report is there. That's kind of, my mom would love that. She needs to know before she goes in. Because that, I mean, that could be very like triggering and upsetting. And it, especially if there's no, I mean, if you're seeing a movie like, um, I've never seen Marley and Me, but my assumption oh, is God. that it's probably sad based on the fact that people say it's a sad movie. So I'm like, okay, it's an, it's a movie about a dog and it's sad. So I think I know the ending, even though I've not seen it. But going into that, you expect it. But when it's a movie that's just like you were saying, like out of nowhere, like a villain just kills an animal, that like in A Fish Called Wanda, there's a scene where someone eats a fish. And I was like, <laughs> I did not need that. Like that did not improve my enjoyment of this movie. It's upsetting. It, it really is. You know, I know that the villain kind of gets it in the end, but still, like, I, I, it, it's not enough. The payoff just isn't enough. <laughs> but, I, yeah, yeah it, I know. It, it is something that, like, I know, I know quite a big group of people do get triggered about animal deaths and animal abuse. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. does the dog die.com, guys. That's the best site to go to. They even have TV shows um, on it as well. Wow. You want to check that out. Wow. I, I much prefer that to, um, there's some website where you can find out, like, how much nudity is in a film. But people go because they want the nudity, and so there's, like, you know, at what point screen cap do, like, boobs appear? And so there's, like, websites where people can look that stuff up. But I would much rather know, like, what not to see, and that's animals dying. Yeah. Um, Do you remember any, like, special promo movies that you went to where, like, there was something else like when I went to see Chicken Run I don't know why but the movie theater had live chickens in the like up front there was like a farmer um who just brought his chickens and after you watched the movie or I guess before you could just like go see the chickens oh boy <laughs> I know I have not been a part of anything like that unfortunately that sounds like fun though like see some live chickens did it smell though 
You know, I think the chickens were in and out so fast. We didn't have like a strong smell or maybe I was just so excited to see chickens. But um, I'm trying to think of any other like, like special weird things like that. You know what was kind of cool is in the early 2000s when you went to see a movie and they played The 20, which was like the promo before the movie that was just, it was mostly like trailers, but they'd also give like behind the scenes looks. Um, They would give you, if you ordered a soda on the lid of the soda, it was called like Lid Tunes or something. And they gave you a tiny CD and it held like two songs. And I got this little CD of Rachel Ferris, who's like, who's that? Yeah, exactly. She had two songs on Lid Tunes. Maybe it was like Pop Tunes. It had some funny name. Um, Lid Rock. Maybe that's what it was called. Anyways. I, I took my little CD home. I listened to it and I was like, yes, this is my bop. I was like, you know, 10 years old. Um, but anyways, it, uh, I ended up like ordering the CD. So the, the marketing worked on me. Um, but I don't know what other little CDs they gave out like that. Sometimes they would show music videos before. I remember the, uh, music video where, Madonna and Britney Spears Kiss was one of the mov- the music videos they... Oh, like, oh, yeah, that's a, I think Me Against the Music yeah. or something yeah. like that. That was it. Yeah. Now, my, my main experience in movie theaters, uh, specifically before reserve seating became an official thing, um, was it was always hard whenever, like, the big, like, Star Wars or Avengers came out, and the AMC close to home never had like assigned seating so literally like i had to show up two hours earlier to try to get into the to the front of the line um Mm. but sometimes if i was late i used to make conversation with people at the front of the line (laughs) and they'd let me just hang with them you would yeah i can see you doing that You're (laughs) you're so friendly and social and just so cute i can see people wanting to talk to you that's fun (laughs) i remember waiting in line to see definitely like Twilight, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Did you go to the midnight premieres before the movie? Oh, for uh, Harry Potter movies. Mm, did you dress up? I did not because I watched all of them when I was in Malaysia and it was not really a thing there. Really? Um, I remember us putting like lightning bolts on our head when we went to see the last Harry Potter. And nice. then I dressed up for a few. I also would dress up for like the book release like we went to the harry potter book release party and yeah i usually like the most that i did to kind of get away with it was wear like some kind of merchandise so Mm. it's like a harry potter shirt or socks yeah hot topic Um, used to sell a lot of that stuff which and i was too scared to go in hot topic but my sister had a lot of that stuff and i would borrow like her pop culture shirt for whatever screening i was going to yeah, I do that now for Star Wars um, screenings. But that was—I think like everyone was just mainly excited when the Force Awakens came out, and then it kind of dwindled down as the movies deteriorated. Yeah, and still, still fun to dress up somewhat. Yeah, that's true. Dressing the theme of it. Um, yeah. Do you have like a favorite theater experience? Like some, maybe the movie wasn't your favorite, but like being at that theater was really special for some reason. Hmm. I um I remember that 
there was this one kid who was very, very entertaining during, like, I think it was the second last Hunger Games, when she's kind of doing, like, that little Mockingjay sign that she does, and he kept, like, reciprocating every time she did it. Um, And then there's that scene where PETA, like, strangles her, and then it cuts to black. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) When it cuts to black, this little kid was like, Oh, man, the $2 movie theater in Pasadena that I used to go to all the time. Um, I hope it survives COVID. I want that to be there when it when it all opens back up because I love a $2 movie theater. But you get a lot of interesting crowd in there, Uh, like a lot of people who literally are just wanting the air conditioning and are there to take a nap. And uh, there was some movie we were seeing. It was kind of an epic movie. I don't remember what it was, but the person in front of me was snoring so loudly the whole time. And at the end, the credits are rolling, and they wake up, and they go, that movie sucked. And I just start laughing, and I was like, what movie were you watching? (laughs) Oh, so funny. But yeah, that's the sort of theater where you pay $2 to get in, you pay a dollar for a hot dog, and you're just like... I have this afternoon made. This is good. And then you don't care what you're seeing. You're like, oh, was the movie good? I don't care. It's $2. Yeah. <laughs> it really changed my standards. That's true. A place that I would really like to go to, and even I'm surprised I haven't done it yet, is like a drive-in movie theater. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask if you've done... We went to a drive-in drag show a few weeks ago, but we've not done any of the drive-in movies. I know Red Rocks... Um, we're talking about Colorado, for anyone listening. Um, Colorado Red Rocks does Film on the Rocks, where you sit in the amphitheater and watch a movie in the summer. But I think they're doing a drive-in version of that in like their giant parking lot this summer. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we, we haven't we haven't quite done that yet. Well, you know, the whole COVID situation is kind of weird, and we're trying our best not to go out as much. Um, so we've mainly been watching stuff at home, which has been an adjustment, but, you know, it, it, it's fine. Like, I kind of, I do miss going to a theater to watch a movie. Um, mm-hmm. I miss kind of that time that's been allocated just to watch the movie. It's a fine substitute. It's like drinking a Diet Cola. <laughs> watching it at home. Um, it's not as satisfying. It's, you know, like, Preston makes it a lot better than if I was watching it on my own. Aww. You know, that, but that one, that's just, you know, that he makes everything better. So, you know, like, it becomes a moot point whenever I'm doing things with him. I have to not factor him into the equation. <laughs> <laughs> he just makes it better anyway. Well, he skews I, your results. Aww. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a sweetie. Yeah, I get distracted, like, when I'm watching something at home, like, oh, the guinea pigs are so cute, pause the movie, we have to go play with them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, like, you know, we we have our cats here, too, and they can kind of, you know, demand some attention, Um, because we did that for Hamilton on Disney+, Plus. that one's about, like, three hours long, and we got started, we were eating uh, breakfast while watching it, and then after a while, it's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And, you know, like, we pause it, and yes, it's nice that we can pause it, go to the bathroom and come back, but it kind of, it doesn't flow as well. 
Yeah, you know, I've told Kim for years that I want her to watch this film from India. It's like the most famous of, some people say, Bollywood films. Dilwali Dilhana La Janga. Um, I'm uh-huh. not sure if I pronounced that right, but it was in 95 and it's still being shown in theaters today. So it's like a big deal. And I was like, Kim, you need to see this movie, but it's like over three hours. And I was like, it's okay. We'll just watch it in segments. Like we can watch an hour now and an hour later and we were going to break it up. But we started watching it and Kim was like, no, let's keep watching. And we watched the whole thing this last weekend. And I was really glad we did that where we just like really devoted time to watch it all in one go because it really yeah. does change it if you... I remember the VHS tapes we had of like Cleopatra and Gone with the Wind and that stuff actually have like an intermission built in where you have to like fast forward through it if you want to keep watching. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that was, um, Tarantino did that for The Hateful Eight in some places. Oh, had an intermission? They had like a little intermission in between. You know what the best, I think one of the best theater experiences I've had honestly in the last like 10 plus years is going to see Endgame because I get ex- oh. <laughs> it was good. I get excited about movies, but I'm not like a hardcore. I don't have the kind of uh, passion I had as a teenager for some of these stuff because so many of them have disappointed. And you and I were talking about some of the more recent Star Wars films not being as good. It, you know, the, the Indiana Jones continuation stuff is disappointing. So you're like, how good can it really be? But I was yeah. so ready for Endgame. Like, we watched every single MCU film leading up to it. Um, we'd seen most of them in theaters, but there were some, like, we hadn't seen Ant-Man. And so we watched through everything. And I went with family and friends, a really small group who was all just as excited. And we were all, like, I mean, like, months ahead of time, we were like, we have to get our tickets. Like, let's all jump on the site as soon as tickets are available. And that was, like, the most I looked forward to a movie. And we all had, like, theories of what was going to happen. And it really satisfied. Like, throughout the whole movie, I was like, yeah, this is this is better than I thought it was going to be. Which, like, oh, yeah. made me so happy. They had a lot of amazing fan service moments. There was a lot of satisfying moments of, like, character growth of everybody. There were some good callback moments, jokes from way before. Yeah. It was fun. No, it was, it was very good. Like, that is... Endgame is made to be a cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and one that is made for a crowded theater as well. The the standout movie from my childhood that I remember being like built up, like we were going to see this movie was Fantasia 2000. Because it was like, you know, a not a sequel, but I had seen the first Fantasia on VHS at my home. And we weren't, I mean, a lot of, I was actually looking at this um, this week, but a lot of Disney movies, um, the sequels didn't go to theaters before like Wreck-It Ralph 2, Frozen 2, and then there was a second Rescuers Down Under. But generally, Lion King 2, Little Mermaid 2, that stuff all just came to VHS. So the fact that I was familiar with the concept of Fantasia, and that there was going to be a new Fantasia, and we got to go see it in IMAX. And I think we saw it at the Disney theater. We lived in Florida at the time. So I think, like, there's an IMAX theater at Disney, and we went to that. And I don't remember being, like thrilled by it it was okay but just that experience of being in the IMAX theater I was like wow yeah I think the first the, my first IMAX like 3D movie was Avatar hmm that Which, was probably you know, a good I think, one like, th- that movie worked because 
because it was an IMAX 3D, but after watching it in regular, um, <laughs> well, you using my regular eye, it wasn't that great. Yeah, my wife's never seen it, and I'm like, I don't know that it's going to be as thrilling for you for us to watch it on our small screen at home. Like, you're not going to really understand what the appeal was of it, but she needs to see it before the next one comes out, so. That's true. Yeah, well, I don't know. Now everything's kind of on standstill, so. I think I saw today, like, there was an ad for New Mutants coming out in theaters. I, I don't understand it. Like, I miss the theaters, but there's also, like, a level of responsibility that goes along with it. And, like, movie theaters are a hot spot for COVID. <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, running back to the theater anytime soon. But when it is safe and we can all return to our lives, you and I will make the movie theater business thrive again (laughs) we will we will bring it back and that was why we wanted to do this little ode to the theater today to kind of say hang on there theater we miss you we believe in you and we are excited to return when we can but for now we just must dream of the times that were good yes please stay safe (laughs) yeah i don't know i think that movie movie going experience can be a magical thing um i miss it terribly but i don't know it'll be great once it's back yeah i really loved when i saw the screening of beginners the director mike mills was there and that q a was really impactful to me because he wrote it and directed it and i want to write and direct so i was like i had so many questions for him so yeah i remember we watched that movie together in your dorm room Oh, yeah, you and I watched it? Yeah. I just love it so much. It's a good movie. Yeah, it was really good. And there's a cute dog in it. Who doesn't die? (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And reminder that uh, next week and all of September, we will be doing movie poster commentary. So get excited for that. Um, Thanks for your time today, Vidya. Thank you, Kat. Yay. Okay, bye, guys.